Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agustinelli. And as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Davis is a staffing agency that focuses on engineering, IT, and skilled manufacturing professionals, as well as a number of different programs and partnerships that help them manage all of your talent acquisition needs. Uh, Check them out. Uh, Today's guest is Adam uh, Kanidala. Adam is a uh, CFO, fractional CFO, has a couple of different businesses. He's really an entrepreneur, and we talk about his journey from, um, you know, wanting to become a math teacher, son of both teachers uh, as parents, and uh, ending up as an entrepreneur and his journey there. And there's a lot of good nuggets in terms of um, really ha- the need for self-awareness and the need for you being aligned with your bosses and, and, and understanding if it's a good longer-term fit. So uh, awesome guy, awesome time, and he makes some U.S. Open predictions that we get to see if they came true. So check it out. Adam Canella, welcome to Beers and Careers. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This this is going to be fun. Awesome, awesome. Now, have you done? You you are active in the social media world, uh, specifically on LinkedIn. I'd say we met through LinkedIn. That's how I know you. Is this your? Um, is this uh, one of the first podcasts you've ever participated in? Or so this has actually been a a goal of mine this year. And so one of the things I've been working through is I wanted to be a guest on 12 podcasts this year. So cool. I am actually a little bit ahead. So you are either my seventh or eighth um, ah. that I've, that I've been on. So it, every time it gets a little bit easier. Um, and part of it, when I was thinking about it at first was, you know, I hear about all, all sorts of people talking about podcasts. It's like, do I want to create my own or do I just want to be a guest on other people's and, you know, just go and provide some value to their audience and, you know, <laughs> and then yes. move on after that 45 minutes to an hour. So, um, so that, that was kind of the reason behind creating that goal of doing 12 was to see how different people interact. You know, is it more question and answer? Is it more just me blabbering on like this? Um, and you know, kind of how that goes to see if I could then flip the script and go over to that, you know, that host chair and be more of, you know, the, the Jay Leno or the, <laughs> or someone along those lines. The dark side, the dark side right? guy. The guy has <laughs> that's, that's too funny. Well, um, let's, let's help the audience get to know you a little bit. Can you give me, give a quick overview of your day to day today? Yeah. So, um, you know, today was actually a content creation day. So it was, you know, creating some posts for LinkedIn. Um, I've started to grow a pretty decent following on TikTok. Um, so I've been on there since the beginning of the year. So I was creating some videos for over there. Um, talked to a couple of clients about their taxes. Um, but, you know, realistically, my day-to-day life, I have two different businesses that I, that I operate. One is a fractional CFO firm. And the other is a straight up accounting practice. So taxes, bookkeeping, payroll for small businesses. So I kind of bounce back and forth between the two of those. Um, and they're also very nice because they're very complementary to one another. So, you know, going into some of those, those fractional CFO clients, they need help on the accounting and bookkeeping side and vice versa. Some of the, you know, bookkeeping payroll clients are trying to up level their business. And then the fractional CFO, you know, I can come in and, and handle those tasks for them as well. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, when I saw your background, I was like, I'm really interested to meet someone who went out on their own, is embracing technology, 
as like your sales marketing channel. I'm sure word of mouth and referrals are big for you. But like you were doing that pre-pandemic. I think I like I, at least from when I looked at your content and then certainly looked like during the pandemic, you were like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I'm going all in on this. So I, is, that, is that a fair assessment of for, for a guy who doesn't know you that well, you know? Right. That, that's exactly. Yeah. So roughly this time, like two years ago, so mid 2019, um, I came out of tax season. Um, it was May or June. And I was like, OK, I'm stuck with my business. And I was like, hey, let me just go see what's going on in LinkedIn. And I was like, whoa, LinkedIn's changed since the, <laughs> the last time I wandered around on here um, and started just interacting with people and learning and figuring out what was going on. Um, took a couple of courses from people that, that were on there to, to get a better idea and then actually hired a business coach through LinkedIn and completely changed my life. <laughs> like, really? like before, let's say before I got on LinkedIn, so 15, 16, 17, 18, I would have never hired a business coach. And I was like, I've been, you know, running these businesses. I've been operating. I've been, you know, doing the marketing, doing all the day to day stuff. I know how to do all this stuff. <laughs> and when I kind of, when I got onto LinkedIn, I was like, there is so much I have no idea about. And I've just been living in this little shell <laughs> the whole time. So completely changed my mind. And just through those interactions, found someone. And the funny part was the first call, she's like, I don't think you're a good client for me. So she was, you know, kind of going back to the ideal client persona. She was a business coach for business coaches mm-hmm. and me coming in there as an accountant and a finance person. She's like, no, you, you don't match up with my you know, ideal client persona. We shouldn't work together. And the funny thing is, she's like, my husband is, you know, does work with consultants and finance people. So you might be better to work with him. But I was like, no, I sync with you on a mindset basis. And that is the pieces that I'm looking for. So over the course of the like introductory phone call, I wore her down. And at the end, I was like, I'm hiring you. You're letting me hire you. <laughs> How do I pay you? So she relented. She's like, OK, you know, it, it feels like, you know, mindset wise and everything else, we're a good fit. So let's give us a shot. You know, if it doesn't end up working out, you know, you've kind of been warned <laughs> going yes. in. Um, so, you know, buyer beware here. And I was like, no problem. I'm, I'm good. I'm like, I know how to do the accounting and finance stuff. I need all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So we started working together in our second call. She goes, what do you do on a daily basis? So kind of like, I told, you know, I was like, I do taxes, bookkeeping, payroll for small businesses. I also do tax planning and kind of strategic you know, things and, you know, trying to help people make more money, pay less taxes, all those kind of things. She's like, okay, take all those things, split them up into the things that you love to do and the things that you hate doing. So uh, I was like, okay, this is easy. Um, I love doing the tax planning and the strategy and budgeting and forecasting. And if I never have to see a tax return again or do QuickBooks or run someone's payroll, it, you know, it'll be the happiest day of my life. And we were on a Zoom, and she holds up a sheet of paper <laughs> and already had those things listed. As soon as I was done, I was like, either you wrote really fast or, like, you've got a camera here behind me or, like, you know, you're, like, reading my mind. She's like, no. When we were talking, I could just see that you light up when you talk about those things you love doing. You you know, you just look like a totally different person. 
when you talk about the stuff you hate, you look like you're crawling into your own grave and pulling the lid shut on the coffin on top of yourself. So she's like, you need to get rid of the stuff that you don't like doing and focus just on the pieces you like. So instead of being an accountant for businesses, you need to now be a CFO for businesses. So that is literally where the fractional CFO practice was created was in that, that second call with her. And then we went on, you know, there was like 10 more weeks of, you know, kind of figuring everything out from there. Um, so that was late 2019 and then basically launched that at the beginning of 2020. And at that same time, I then had to decide, do I keep my accounting practice that I've built from zero and just hire someone else in, have them replace me, they take care of all the day-to-day stuff and I just own the business? Or do I sell it off and just, you know, literally completely move on? And that was the choice that I made was to sell it off and move on from it because I was like, there is no way that all of these clients that I've built these relationships with, whenever something goes wrong, they're not going to come to me. They're not going to go over that person's head and come back to me and be like, you know, I need this fixed. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that. You know, they aren't, you know, they don't talk to me the same as you, you know, all these, you know, kind of client complaints that people get when you're, you know, being replaced by somebody else. So found a buyer, sold the business at at the end of um, 2019, started 2020 and moved fully into the the fractional CFO world. So, yeah, and I love being an entrepreneur. I love being a business owner and I could never see myself going back into that like full on, you know, corporate landscape of, you know, 40 plus hours a week you know, in a theoretical cubicle or office. Right. Um, it's just, you know, my personality is, you know, I need to be my own boss. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. That's, uh, that's really, that's really cool. What, what was it about the, I know you said it was mindset, but like you, you certainly lean forward by saying, no, don't hang up the phone. I, you're working with me. Like, was that God telling you that or how'd you, how'd you get there? Cause that's a, uh, that's a bold move. Right. So um, part of it was the content she was posting on the LinkedIn. Okay. It was, you know, it was, it was all very positive, which that's, that's how my process I'm, you know, I'm a very positive person. You know, even if I disagree with someone, I'm going to disagree in a positive way to it, you know, and bring up, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Not just like you're the dumbest person in the world. So, you know, that positivity came through and, she was celebrating herself. You know, she had started her business. I can't remember if it was like six, 10 months before that. So she was in that growth phase where she's taking on new clients, hitting goals that she had set for herself, hitting revenue targets. And I hadn't seen that before. I was like, I have never celebrated, you know, how many clients I have or, you know, the revenue that's bringing in or if I'm hitting goals or not. You know, and it just it just spoke to me and it was like, you know, I'm missing something here that I'm not doing those things. And she's got that piece. She's already doing those things. I need to figure out, you know, how I can, you know, again, changing that mindset to get to the point where, you know, when I sign a new client, it's like, hey, I'm now working with X, Y, Z. As their, you know, as their CFO or as their accountant or as their advisor, and you know, 
I don't need to hide it in the shadows that I'm working with them. It's like, that's a good thing. And then that tells other potential clients that I actually have clients and I'm not just like making stuff up when I'm on sales call. It's like, here, you know, look at this post from two months ago. Look at this post from six months ago. You know, these are the people I'm working with. These are the people I'm helping. And if you want to talk to them to make sure that I'm not just BSing you, that's fine. Here's their contact information and, <laughs> you know, cool. and we go from there. So, sure. so, you know, it was a lot of those kind of pieces as well. It's like, oh, it's okay to do that. They're like, it's not, you're not bragging. You're, right. you know, you're celebrating and you're, you know, telling people that, hey, I, you know, Something good happened. <laughs> and people want to be working with successful people, too. They're right. It's like the hardest thing is just getting the, the wheel spinning, and then the momentum starts to really help after, after a while. Right. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. You're doing. So I, I got to back us up, though. Like, how did you get into accounting? Like, where, where, did, it, where did this start? Was this like a, you've got an affinity for numbers, math, and reporting at an early age, or how do we get here? Yeah, so always been a math person, always been a numbers person. So um, even going back to like middle school and high school, like I was the the unofficial math tutor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where when there was a terrible teacher that couldn't actually teach, I was like reteaching the other kids in the class <laughs> so they could actually understand the material and things like that. Mm. And what that was initially leading me to is I was going to be a math teacher. So that's okay. what I was. I went to college for originally, um, awesome. and my math classes that I had to take as a, cause I was doing secondary education. So middle school, high school, the math classes kept conflicting with the education classes. So I was wow. like, well, eventually I need to take these education classes, but I also have to get the math classes done to, you know, to get this degree. And I was actually the president of the student education association at my school. Mm. And that exposed me to what it's actually like to be a teacher because I was interacting with like the local teachers unions and some of the state teachers unions and things like that. And it's like, this job is the worst. <laughs> like, you, not it's only not, do you have it's way less about actually teaching. Right. Well, yeah. So you're, you're teaching to tests at this point. Yeah. You have administration that doesn't like you. You've got a school board that doesn't like you. Uh, you have parents that it's always your fault that the kid didn't learn whatever they were supposed to learn. And then you have all these taxpayers that don't want to raise their taxes to help pay for more and better schools and technology and everything like that, because a lot of them are older and they don't even have kids in school. So like, why would I want my taxes to go up to pay for this? So I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to have, you know, those two months off in the summer, but like my parents are both teachers. Um, I saw what that was like that two months off during the summer was like a month off. And then, you know, because it takes like two weeks after the school year is over to like wrap everything up, (laughs) you get a month and then you have to spend two to three weeks before the next school year to get everything ready. (laughs) So it's like, it's not that great. Yeah. you, You know, you get weekends off and you get, you know, holidays and things like that. But is that, you know, a good trade-off for terrible pay (laughs) and all these headaches from all this stuff. And all you you just want to be a teacher. Like I just want to teach kids. And so I was like, okay, I am changing my major. So I'm literally, I had, you know, in between semester, between fall and spring semester, I changed my major. So I pull off the education piece and I just go straight math. 
And I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> like, I'm still the president of the education association for the whole second semester and no longer an education major. <laughs> That's wild. Wild. Yeah. And so I, I finally told, like, when I was, my, my term was over, then I finally announced, I was like, hey, it's been nice knowing you all. Yeah. But, but I'm not going to be a teacher. He's up. Yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's, a, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, fun. it's, inter- it's specifically interesting because your parents were teachers. Yes. You know, yes. like, you said, you had a front row seat to it. And, uh, I think that, they almost find that people that teach, they do truly love teaching because you, you're not doing it for the money. And you're and to your point, you're not really doing it for the time off. Right. <laughs> it's like your vocation and, you know, um, and, and what you love to do. It's a, it's a, it's a wild thing. I'm, I'm totally with you. People are always like, well, you get less vacation because I grew up more on the sales side. It's like, well, you're working like a dog. It's like, yeah, but like, I, but then when I want freedom, I can have freedom. Like right. there's a, there's the balance of it. I know you're from your post. I know you're a golfer. Yes. So it's like, I know, I know you carve out some time for some golf and it's like, I'd rather answer a call on a Saturday or Sunday, but be able to sneak out once in a while than vice versa. So exactly. it's, a, it's an important, I think it's an important self-awareness in the career path and conversation because um, some people are addicted and they want to make a ton of money. And then there's a lot of professions where you can make a lot of money, but you sacrifice all of your freedom and time. Right. You know, like yeah. the, the opposite of the spectrum being the CPA, right? At the, at the EY or the KPMG <laughs> of the world, which, you know, I have friends that do that and they absolutely love it, but you got to know what you're signing up for. I think. Right. Straight absolutely. Off, so. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, especially those early years, you're working 80 hours a week for, you know, all year round. And, you know, if, if you don't pass those CPA exams, not only have you not passed the CPA exams, but now you've lost your job. <laughs> on exactly. top of it. I mean, like, and you're working like a dog, right? Like, yeah. I mean, for generally, um, sometimes and not the best of settings, you know, right. it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting dynamic. So, so you, so you go all in on math yep. and then you graduate. What do you do? So I, I took the actuarial route. So, okay. um, because explain you know, like, that for people that aren't like, that might not know what that is. Sure. So actuary, basically anyone who goes and buys insurance, so home insurance, car insurance, actuaries are the ones way on the back end that are actually setting whatever those prices are. So, you know, if you're a a 20, you know, when you hear that, oh, you know, 20 year old males are more expensive to insure on cars than 20 year old females, the person that figured that out is an actuary. (laughs) So, you know, they're looking at all the claims data and saying, okay, 20 year old males, you know, have this many accidents per year and they cause this much amount of damage to the cars versus 20 year old females, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's, a, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of Excel spreadsheets and at that time access databases and, and things like that. So, you know, went down that route and to get to a, being a, um, a full fledged actuary, there's a, a set at that time it was eight exams that you had to pass oh, wow. and they're only given twice a year. The majority of them are four-hour multiple-choice exams and typically 30 to 40 multiple-choice questions where you're literally like – like one of them, like the first one was all of calculus. So three semesters of calculus <laughs> in an exam. <laughs> so, yeah, so you had all – and then, the you know, the second one was like economics and finance. So it was figuring out like how to price out – 
you know, annuities as well as like macro and microeconomics. So just enormous topics that, you know, literally multiple college courses jammed into a four hour exam that it's timed. <laughs> and I had no idea it was that intense. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it just got to a point where, you know, going back to the, you know, kind of the work life balance <clears throat> that it was working 50 to 60 hours a week, studying another 20 hours a week, and then trying to have, you know, a family and, and everything else outside of that. And there just isn't a lot of time left over <laughs> when you're yeah. spending that much time doing other stuff um, with work. So, you know, it got to a point where I did it for, it was about four years. And, you know, 2008 happened. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the, the economy went in the dumpster. And right. so coming out of that, it was like, okay, I need a job. Um, what jobs can I use, you know, all my math skills and things like that for? And I actually took a course to learn how to be a tax preparer. Okay. I was like, tax preparation, it's math, it's money, it's, you know, things that I like working with. Let's go with it. So I, I did that, um, worked my way up, then, you know, went from just preparing taxes to also doing bookkeeping and payroll and accounting. And so just kind of built out from there. And then late 2014, Got to a point where I was like, I'm putting so much money in my boss's pockets. It's time to put that money into my pockets. So let's mm. go out on my own. So, you know, started my, my own accounting practice and, you know, I haven't looked back since then. That's really cool. That's really cool. You, um, strike me as someone with a overwhelming amount of self-awareness. <laughs> like you, like, like I, and I, am I, and tell me if I'm projecting, but like, you know, tutoring the math in high school, man, I'm really good at this. What am I like constantly being like, uh, okay, I'm seeing what these teachers are dealing with every day. Not for me. Right. Like those are <laughs> things that I think a lot of people struggle with. Is this something that is like a natural gift for you? Were you working at it? Are your parents really good at being like, you know, Adam, you suck at this Stop <laughs> doing that. Like, or your, or your, or your partner or your spouse or whatever. Like, how does that work in your life? Yeah, so it, it it's me, and you know sometimes it's very like gut check type moments where it's like I will just know like it's time to do something else or time to do something different. Um, and I've taken you know like disc profiles okay. and you know Myers Briggs and and those kind of things, and like I I did a disc profile like early last year for something I was working on, and. When I was reading it to my fiance, she was like, she started laughing at me. <laughs> and I was like, what, what's so funny? And she's like, like, it just, everything in that profile describes you to a T. It was like, you know, just, she's like, and she starts listing things off and she's like this and this and this and this. And she has a background, like she's, she used to be a disc trainer. So, oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> right. So before I even started, she's like, so you're a D, right? And I was like, how did you know that? She's like, start yeah. reading the report. Well, and I'm getting you, and married to you, so I've, I've got an idea of what you're <laughs> like, Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, if you know, you know, disc, you know, a D is very, like, forthright and, like, yes. you know, pushing 
assertive, yeah, everything like that. And, you know, a lot of accountants find that people fall into the C, like very analytical and, you know, very like focused on, on those kind of things. And that's my second like tier. So, um, but you know, the D also goes into like the entrepreneur and the business owner and, and everything like that. So, you know, as I'm going through this report, I was like, wow, like these things are so crazy accurate. Almost, almost <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And it's like, I, I know I only had to answer, you know, I don't know where it was like a hundred questions or whatever to, you know, to get this, yeah. you know, profile, but it's like, you know, I don't even like, I know I'll, you know, like algorithms and everything like that, the works, it's like, oh, well, if you answer, you know, this to this question, it puts a, you know, point in that bucket or whatever. But it was just, just going through it. It was like, wow, that's, that's really telling. And it's like, I didn't have something like that earlier on in my career mm-hmm. to kind of verify that, you know, you're in the right spot. You're not in the right spot. So, you know, seeing some of those things too is like, you know, this could have been something that helped me make fewer mistakes earlier in my career if I had had kind of that level of awareness of this is kind of how everyone else is perceiving me Mm. versus me just thinking like, you know, like, you know, I've always been able to do math in my head. Um, One of the the fun things that I used to do, which I don't do quite as much anymore, is I could tell people what day of the week a certain day was. Whoa. (laughs) Because I would go off of like what, like, national holidays were and it's like okay well you know thanksgiving's a thursday it's the 25th of november this year so i would kind of work back from there and be like oh well october 12th is you know tuesday <laughs> serious and, and and they'd be like how how'd you how'd you do that <laughs> and so i would tell them and like oh that makes a lot of sense but mm-hmm. no one should be able to do that <laughs> right, right. That's, that, that's uh that's a wild party trick Right. <laughs> it's a wild party trick. People are like, Especially what? as people have had more and more to drink, it, it becomes even more amazing. They're like, whoa. Like, <laughs> it's like mind blown there. How, how are you doing that? How are you? <laughs> like, fun. are you a human calendar? I'm like, yeah, but basically. I it's try. just math. <laughs> I try. Do you, did you, um, did you, what took, like when the coach told you, like, look, your body language is changing when you're doing the things you hate. Were you like upset as a person who had a lot of self-awareness throughout it that at that point in time, you're like, man, how am I missing this? Or are you just really trying to hold it all in balance? Well, I, I think that I had already realized some of this. Yeah. And that's why I went searching yeah. for that coach to kind of basically, like, you know, be like, yes you know, you you aren't doing what you should be doing anymore. And, you know, part of it was, you know, having that flexibility of being my own boss and I was good at accounting and I was good at taxes and I was quick, you know, doing all the work. But, you know, the flip side of it was, you know, I got to a certain level where it was like, I'm making plenty of money, but I'm not happy yeah. because the money isn't turning into, you know, it's like I'm now I'm working a lot more because I have a lot more clients and I have a lot more people calling me and emailing me. So, you know, it was kind of that, it was kind of got to the point where it was like, where can I go for like, what else is out there? What is a possibility, you know, other than me just like being like in a drudgery state every day, it's like, 
I got to the point where I wasn't responding to email. Like customer service went was going in the tank. Like I was, yeah. I'd stopped responding to emails. When the phone would ring, I'd just let it go to voicemail, and it was it was going to start impacting the business because I wasn't being responsive. And a lot of that stemmed from at first because I didn't have very many clients, I could respond to everyone. As soon as you know they called or emailed, I'm yeah. sending them back like the answer, I mean, in, like immediately yeah and so they all began to expect that they're you know because they don't know or you know they realize that my business is growing but they don't understand how much time and how much effort and how many clients i'm you know juggling at a time like my the last so 2019 i would do tax returns every hour on the hour all day long and then fit in all the other stuff around it so i was literally you know 10 hours a day Sunday through Saturday for three months, mm. I was booked completely. Like I could not physically do another tax return because there was no, not enough time in the day to do anymore. Ugh. And uh, so at that point, when people are calling and emailing, you know, it's like, do I answer this phone call while this, and I was doing it with the client sitting there in front of me. So they would come in, bring all their stuff, throw it on the desk and I would prepare their taxes. Well, now the phone's ringing but it's just me. So do I answer this? And then, you know, this person goes into a 15 minute diatribe about whatever's going on while the client that I'm working with is sitting right there staring at me going like, are you going to do my taxes? Like, what am I paying you for? Like, am I paying you for your time to do this? Am I paying for the taxes to get done? You're obviously now focused on someone else's stuff. So, you know, it just became an issue where it's like, you know, I couldn't get out of my own way and also at that point I wasn't charging enough for what I was doing anymore. Like I literally had clients that I signed up at first that it was like, I was taking money just to have money coming in the door that were paying me $75 a month for me to do all of their books and their payroll. And I should have been charging them four or $500, but I never raised their prices because I was, you know, I was a nice guy and I was making enough money for me, but by not charging them more, I couldn't then hire someone else to work with me to lower my workload and to split that workload over because there wasn't money left over after paying me. Do you think you would, if you had done it over again, would you have gone in harder and tried to scale the business or are you happy things worked out the way they are? And now you're going the fractional CFO route and you're, and you're owning your time again. Like talk to like, what do you, I mean, I don't think people, I, I tend to have these conversations with people. They tend to not regret things. But I, so I don't mean it from a regret standpoint. I just mean, you know, should we live in an alternate universe where you get a, a go around again? Would you try something a little different? You think? Uh, I, I would because one now, you know, having been a business owner for seven years, I know the value that those services provide. Yeah. And there's always going to be coupon shoppers. Yes. And there will always be some business out there that will market to those coupon shoppers. And that's where my business was. It was the coupon shopper business. It was like discounts and, you know, you know, I did these, I, I called them appreciation weeks. I would literally do entire tax returns for, I had four different weeks in March for $50. And it didn't matter what they had on their return. They could be the simplest W-2. Or they could literally be like a business owner owning rental properties. And if they met the requirements for that week, it was 50 bucks. (laughs) 
And, you know, part of what that built was they became huge referral sources, which yes. was nice. Yeah. But the flip side of that was that I was get, making almost no money <laughs> on doing those, especially the more complicated ones. I was right. really making no money on those. And I was filling up all of that time that theoretically I could have been, you know, doing other things with. Yeah, so cost factor. Yeah. So going back, I, I don't, I know I wouldn't go the, the discount shopper route yeah. again. It's like, yeah. you know, and even like the spring I've kind of, you know, with the accounting stuff um, that I've been doing, some of those old clients reached out to me and they're like, are you still doing those? And I was like, no, I'm not. These are, you know, if, if you want to work with me on this stuff, these are the prices. Um, and at, so in the old practice, I was averaging about 150 bucks a tax return this year for the ones that I did. I'm averaging 550. <laughs> and what was the drop off rate thus where you weren't making it up on the back end or? Uh, did you keep as many, like, did you keep how many customers did you lose that you want that you wanted to retain? So I did 800 tax returns in 2019. By myself. <laughs> um, and this, so my first year in business, I did about 180. Okay. This year, I'm, I'm going to do 80 tax returns and mm-hmm. make double what I made on those 180 returns that first year. Wow. Just by setting my prices appropriately. And then beyond that, setting the boundaries of if these prices are too much for you, there's someone else out there that you yeah. can pay less to. The rules of engagement. You also built a serious brand in that in those years too, right? Yes, and exactly. Not, I mean, it's like uh, yeah. So at that point, you know, it was my first time owning a business. Yeah. You know, it was my first time, you know, being out on my own, everything like that, and it was, you know, how do I niche into you know, different things because you've got your court, you know, your, your national chain brands, you know, your H and R block, Liberty tax, Jackson Hewitt out there that are kind of the, typically the lower end pricing. You've got your CPA firms that are the, the higher end pricing. So I need to slide in somewhere in the middle there, but how, you know, where do I, you know, do I land closer to those chain, you know, locations or do I try to, you know, go up, you know, towards where the CPAs and things like that are. And also, you know, at that point I had, you know, roughly five years of experience doing taxes. Now I've got 12. So, you know, there's some of the, those pieces as well that it, it's easier to, you know, relate that value of, Hey, I've, you know, I've probably done, you know, 8,000 tax returns <laughs> in you know the years I've been doing it versus at that point, you know, maybe I'd done, you know, a couple thousand. Right. So, you know, so there's a lot of those pieces that as people start coming up with those arguments of why do you cost this much, it's much easier to like, here's all the reasons why. If right. that's not good enough, that's okay. And that, you know, getting to that point as well was important for me because I'm no longer chasing just to get dollars in the door because I know that it's going to take time and effort and especially now with you know, the majority, like I do everything virtual. So there's a lot yes. more back and forth. It's not just them sitting in front of me for an hour and I can literally ask them every single question I need. It's yeah. I send an email two days later, they send the response. Right. 
I send another email with more questions two days later. They sent, you know, so it lengthens that amount of time, which is more of my time going back and forth with that stuff. Um, so, you know, everything else has to, has to line up with that as well. You just kind of described in my business and from like what I understand about a few others, like the life of a entry level salesperson becoming like a, a mature sales professional of like, when you start, you know nobody and you're, and you're probably writing too many discounts and you're just excited to have money come in the door. And then you get to a point in your career where you're like, nope, I know I can get more business. So I get to say no, right? Like it's hard when you're yep. starting out in anything to say no to things because you don't know what tomorrow will bring until you get the confidence and experience to know that you can drum it up as quick as you need to or how these market conditions will create environments for your business. So it's a, it's funny because I almost don't think you can skip this step of – you might be able to, but I think it would be more difficult to skip that step of uh, of giving things away for free, so to speak, because you were – to your point, you were doing things for basically free, but you were gaining a ton of experience, and you probably now can catch pitfalls right. of clients or issues that you don't want to deal with way earlier up front now. So you're more like – it's almost yeah, like my- your MBA in your field. Right. My, my vetting process is, is significantly more complicated than it was <laughs> before. It was like, it was me sitting there going, what number, what's the smallest number that I know they will say, absolutely say yes to. A hundred percent. You're not negotiating because you're really not willing to walk away. Right. It's like, I'm going to take something, some sort of money from them. And, and that's and when I started getting comments from people like, Wow, you're really cheap. Wow, you're really cheap. Wow, there's no one else that's doing it for this little. You know, I think those were things that started planting seeds in my mind. Like, am I doing this yeah. right? Like, what what am I missing out on? And what is everyone else doing? And what are you know? Because it's not like I you know I knew a lot of the other accountants in the, yeah. the city that I was in, but it's not like I was like, hey, what do you charge for right. <laughs> for this or that? you know, to start comparing and things like that. Um, so it would only come in from those new potential clients saying, you know, like, like one of them, like as soon as the number came out of my mouth, they're like, when do I start? <laughs> yeah. Right. They just, run, they just run a book. It. That's, that is, uh, that is so funny. So did you, I, I'm really interested. I think if people will be interested in, was it purely, you said earlier you wanted to be your own boss. Like you, that, excuse me that you thrive in an environment where you're your own boss is a better way of saying it. Um, when you alluded to the fact that you were like, I'm patting someone else's pockets. Why can't I do this on my own? Was it, was like, was at the beginning, was it a little selfishly motivated? Like, man, I want to make more money. I'm doing all this work. And then when you got into the working for yourself, you were like, this is what I was meant to do. Or, or how did that um, moment of brilliance occur? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the, you know, a big piece of it was, you know, was the, I can make more money by having yeah. my own business because yeah. <clears throat> at that point, you know, I, I was, you know, we, my title was office manager. So yeah. I was running the office. I was doing all the marketing. So I was going out to networking events. Oh, okay. You know, I was doing all, all that kind of stuff. So I was doing all the, you know, the client acquisition, the bringing clients in and, you know, and then doing all the work. So I was doing all the taxes, all, man, the bookkeeping, all the, right. Basically, but when I was working there, I didn't have 
the financial wherewithal to start my own. So that, yes. that was why I'd part, you know, re- relatively partnered with this person is that they had the money to start and fund it mm. and, you know, build out the office space and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I was going to work. Yeah. So, you know, but it just, you know, it got to the point where it was like, you know, I was treating it like it was my business when I didn't have any ownership in the business. I was just an employee mm-hmm. and they didn't like that very much. So it just got to the point where it was like, it's time to, it's time to go. And, you know, my first year was the scariest year of my life. It's like, okay, so I need to pay the business's bills. I need to pay my bills and I have no clients. <laughs> So, you know, Shopping I took out, I, I took out a personal loan. I, you know, put stuff on my own credit cards and just scratched and clawed. And the nice thing was because I had been working with a whole bunch of companies, some of them came over because oh. again, they had a relationship with me. They didn't know my boss. <clears throat> and so they're like, we don't know her. We don't want to work with her. We want to work with you. So yeah. we're terminating with her and we're going to, you know, come. So, you know, I had, you know, like five or six clients, like almost immediately, you know, come over and start working with you. But it was the same thing that I mentioned earlier. I was like, I know what we were charging you before, but I'm going to charge you less because, you know, one to kind of say thank you for coming over and continuing to work with me, but also because <clears throat> now it's just me and I know, you know, and everything like that. So I was already bidding against myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They probably would have paid the exact same that they were paying previously because they were already used to paying it. Yes. So, so yeah. And then once I got into it, it was like, where has this been my whole life? Because, you know, from an early age, it was, you know, get good grades, go to college. And you know, obviously at that time it was, you know, become a teacher was the plan. Um, but even after that, it was get a corporate job, work in corporate job until 65, retire. Retire. Right. You know, was, you know, work your way up, get promoted, blah, blah, blah. Um, I did not fit in in corporate. It was not a good fit for me because and I think <clears throat> some of those things looking back, it's like, oh, that was entrepreneur Adam trying to <laughs> trying I, to I like think, bust out there. <laughs> it's funny. You glossed over it. But a, a point that really resonated with me was when you said I was owning it and they didn't like that. And I and I think that um, maybe if you didn't have such a D in your personality of the disc. You probably would have just gone with the tide and like, oh, okay, sorry, I'm doing too much. Whereas like, you know, I think there's a lot of people who probably need to hear early in their careers. If you're not in an environment where they're welcoming you owning it, you find a company that will want you to do that or go out on your own. Because there are people that small businesses, I find in particular, um, like it's so nice working at a medium sized company because it's like, no, 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 you can do as much as you want. Right. You know, as a there's no shareholder that I have to be beholden to. It's like, yeah, run with it. So I just found that really, I knew you glossed over it, but that's like a, <laughs> it's a powerful thing. If you're a recent college grad starting out somewhere, it's like, man, just because you like, just because they tell you not to do something, if that conflicts with your core, then get out of Dodge. Right. Yeah. And, and I would be in meetings with like, <clears throat> like my, my second job, I was working for a health insurance company and we were literally, you know, so I was like a 23, 24 year old kid. <clears throat> and I'm in these meetings with like the corporate, like chief operating officers, like, you know, the, yeah. the number yeah. two person in the whole, you know, company. 
and you know, like having a discussion with them, like this is what I did, this is how I'm doing it, you know, you know, these are the assumptions that I made on, on all this different stuff, and not backing down. It's like he's an adult, I'm an adult, we're having an adult conversation. Right. Right. Um and, you know, so I had experiences like that and then, you know, w- would come out afterwards and my boss would like pull me aside like, hey, you need to like tone it down. Like, <laughs> like we can't like upset, you know, like, you know, he's our boss's boss. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, things care. like that. And it's like, but he asked me a question. Am I just supposed to like not answer or like give him some fluff answer that Turtle. he wants to hear or should I give him the actual answer? Um, and I, I want to like the one thing that really stuck out and still to this day, he was like on a scale of one to 10, one being the most aggressive and 10 being like the most conservative. Where do you think these estimates are? And I was like, typically I was, you know, more aggressive in, in what I was doing. Cause I was like, I want these numbers to be as accurate as possible and not have too much fluff built into them. So I was like, it's probably a three. Um, and he's like, well, it would probably be better if it was closer to a five. So it's kind of more, you know, right down the middle, you know, so that, you know, if something bad does happen, we're not as far off. Um, and then if something good happens, then we, you know, we pick that up, you know, later on. So it was like, you know, some of those learning experiences where it's like, okay, that makes sense. You know, I can understand, you know, where you're coming from there. But if I had just originally said, oh, I think it's already a five, then, you know, then either I'm lying right. <laughs> and they know I'm right. lying <laughs> because the they're like, so these numbers seem really aggressive for being a five, like, yeah. or it's my judgment is off because I think this is a five when it's actually a three. Uh, I, like I, Telling the truth is the way that you learn. Right. You know, I'd rather tell you bad news than bullshit good news. Like, it's right. just, it's such a better way to go through life. I think that's a... uh I think that man and getting out of places where you feel like you're not in good alignment with your gut is, is huge for people. I mean, it led you down the path of entrepreneurship, which is like right. particularly, particularly cool and an interesting story. Um, but even if you're having a bad vibe in certain corporate Americas, I bet there's a different corporate America that exists where, you know, your boss is normal and cool and wants to go <laughs> and stuff. So. No, I appreciate that. Remember how you started the conversation saying you were thinking about becoming a podcast host? I was going to say, I think you're ready. And if you want to, if you want a, an, a, a lesson in blunders, I also told you I was going to start with a couple rapid fire questions and we just started diving in and I never went there. So if it's cool with you, I'm going to pivot back and finish strong with this. And we're going to make it a little, since I know you're a golfer, I might put a little U.S. open. Um, okay. Uh, tinge to it, even though this podcast will be released after. So, Adam, what is your favorite cocktail or drink libation? So, uh, <clears throat> I actually don't drink alcohol. Okay. Good so, um, my my favorite drink is, is actually Mountain Dew Zero. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jake, that counts. That counts. Yeah. You're the first one, Mountain Dew Zero, by the way. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite curse word? Oh, it's it's the F word by far. And going back to the golf course, it's generally said several times per <laughs> round. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you have favorite guilty pleasure? A nap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, that's fair. I like that one. I don't think anyone said that yet. So usually like ice cream and donuts, but nap is good. Well, and it used to be food. Yeah. Uh, and and this is also part of you know my kind of my whole change of what like 
at the end of 2019, <laughs> I was 425 pounds. Wow. You, uh, you, you dramatically I, changed. I've lost a hundred pounds. Oh man. I, I lost a hundred pounds um before well before the pandemic or like as the pandemic was starting, I finally got to a hundred and it, it's kind of wandered back and forth since then. Um but congratulations though, man. That's thank, sick. Yeah, it it's you know, my one friend, he's like, think about every day you were carrying around two forty five pound plates, <laughs> like you know, so weightlifting true. plates. Just walking around, he's like, if I strap one like to your chest and one to your back right now, would you think? How do you think you would do on a daily basis? And I would be like, not, no. It's it's <laughs> isn't it wild? It's so wild to think about that. And uh, it's funny. I have found a new kind of like uh, CrossFit thing in my in the recent years because I was I didn't get like huge, but I got I felt shitty all the time. And yeah. sometimes you do these workouts where you just have to hold like a 20 pound dumbbell. And I'll think to myself, and I, I lost about 20 pounds. Soon, and I was like, I can't believe how tiring this is. And I used to do this. So like holding 90 pounds is, t- is tiring. Just holding right. it. Yeah. Like, that's Absolutely. incredible. Good for you, man. That's awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I wish you the best in your journey because it never ends. Right. It's a fucking, it's a long path, but yeah, it's worth exactly. Wild. It's worth <laughs> wild. So that's, that's awesome. How about you? Are you a quote guy? Any favorite quotes? I am. So Henry Ford, <clears throat> one of okay. his quotes is my favorite. So it's whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Amen. That's very entrepreneurial. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> that's, that's that is very on uh, on par for Adam. Um, yeah. And and give me what was your first job? So I was a busboy slash dishwasher at a Mexican restaurant. Awesome. So so much. Like melted cheese, like uh, caked onto plates. It was, yeah, <laughs> and it was all hand washing. So there, it was like there was no yeah, no dishwasher, no commercial dish. It was like it was these two hands and like sponges for days. Now I what, do do you still wash your own dishes or does that like give you the sh- no? Yeah. <laughs> I, I refuse not- to live in a house that does not have a dishwasher. <laughs> oh. And me too. Me too. Actually, when I first got out, I was like, "No way, a dishwasher! Like, what a modern convenience!" <laughs> right? That's that's too funny. Now, what what is um what's your what's your current USGA index? Uh, I'm like a twelve. Oh yeah, you're golfing, dude. <laughs> you're golfing, right? Yeah, I mean, so I, I've golfed since I was three. So oh, wow, okay. I've been playing forever, and um, I think the lowest I ever got down to was like a six. Or a five, um, but but yeah, th- these days it, you know I I only play for fun. Yeah, I'll I'll play in a charity scramble just about any time someone asks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's like if it's not like you know sixty to seventy five degrees, like I don't play in the rain, I don't play in the cold. Like yeah. I'm out there to have a good time, and you know I still you know push myself to play well. Um. But, you know, you know, getting into the, you know, the, like the U.S. Open, like I could I was never a good, consistent putter. And around the greens, I'm like I'm a I'm a hazard. I'm a liability. Like, you know, <laughs> like when I'm playing in scrambles, it's like it's like you make sure you're standing behind me because, yeah. you know, sometimes it's like I'll get you there. You get us down. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's too good. That is too good. Yeah, I've uh, I've recently gotten in a golf the last couple of years. I found it to be such an awesome outlet. Yeah. 
Dude, yeah, like I, a, I just love being out, you know, on the course four or five hours, you know, hanging out with a bunch of buddies, having a good time, you know, playing some golf while we're at it, and you know that that that's what it's all about for me uh, these amen. days. Amen. Amen. So, um, I have two U.S. Open related questions then for you. Uh, if you had to put together a foursome that you were going to enter into maybe a competitive betting situation with your friends, who would your foursome be for the U.S. Open? Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the the fun part right now would be to have both Bryson and Brooks. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere, yeah. Just, just anywhere. To, just to see if they're going to, you know, if they'd both make it out alive of yes. that. Um, and then... Let's see who else would I, I throw into that foursome? So I, I've, I've always liked Xander Shoffley. Yeah. So so I'd throw him in there. Um, and then for the fourth one, uh, I'm I'm a Wisconsin guy, so Steve Stricker. Um, yes. Throw him in there as kind of the, you know, I know he's over fifty now and you know playing well on the senior tour, but he still, you know, he pops in from time to time. Um, he, you know, did well at the PGA Championship, and he's yes. the the Ryder Cup captain this year, so we'll, we'll throw him in as the fourth. I like it. I like it. Who do you have a pick for who's going to win? That's my second question. Oh, um, this is one of the things I've been looking, and usually this is one of my my social media posts the the week of major championships. Um, last year, I think every uh, every major I picked Xander Shoffley, and that. Almost worked out well at the PGA it, last it year. It did. It did, right? Did Mark Cowell win the PGA last year? Yeah. Which yeah, is he won at Torrey Pines, fall. right? Which is at Torrey Pines. Um, it was at Harding Park. Up in Harding Park. Park. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, California golf mixed up. Right. So so this weekend at the um, – I think Jordan Spieth is going mm, okay. to take it. I've, he's been playing pretty well this spring, and he's had a couple hiccups, but – I think it's time for for him to get back into the winner's circle and, and hoist that trophy up. I love it. I'd love to see Speed back in it. And uh, and you know what? The best part about this is it was recorded before the Open and released <laughs> after, so we will know, my man. We will know. But uh, Adam, Either that or this whole piece is getting edited out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of all this stuff. Um, Adam, thanks again for joining the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to you. Best of luck, and uh, let's stay in touch, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Take care.